Hello, episode 46. Welcome back, world. Thank you so much. I do apologise for being out of the loop. You know how life goes sometimes. Unfortunately, um, I've just been tied up with work and commitments and life and stuff. So apologies, I'm probably about a week behind. But anyway, uh, I'm going to make this one worthwhile. It's going to be a really fun one. And I'm going to talk all about one of my favourite subjects, which is Madonna. Madonna, Louise, Ciccone, Sissioni, Richie, Penn, all of those and all of the above. Um, as a lot of the listeners already know, and certainly people who know me, my love of Madonna runs deep and strong for many and many a year all of my adult life and below. Anyway, we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, I'd just like to say hello to listeners in Australia and Canada. You are jumping in in your droves. Keep listening, keep subscribing and tell everybody because you seem to like it and I hope I'm keeping you entertained. And as regular listeners will know, I usually give a little report on the English weather and the English weather is now typical. The heat wave is over and it is torrential rain outside and it's beautiful and we've been very happy to see the rain. I know there's been a heat wave all over the world but now this at this moment here right now I'm very happy to see it wet and wild as they say anyway um I have a couple of recommendations this week um my first recommendation is by Jake Shears Jake Shears of the Scissor Sisters um and I think I recommended if I haven't I cannot remember I lose track because I genuinely very rarely listen back to my own podcasts unless somebody says there's something specifically I need to check on. Um, Yes, uh, Jake Shears has an album, and obviously I talked about his book. If I haven't talked about it, anyway, forgive me. I love his biography, go buy it. Um, And I had an exchange on Twitter with the man himself and was very happy about that Um, because I was lying in bed with laryngitis and he sent sympathy. And that was all very good. Anyway, his album... Um, It's just called Jake Shears, easy to remember. Um, And it's really one for, well, it's one for everybody, but I'd say especially if you are a fan of the earlier Sister Sisters, the first album, and perhaps some of the stuff from, well, they had an EP before, didn't they? Anything early Sister Sisters, basically. It has that feel to it, but probably a little, the production is, uh, there's lots and lots of musicians on this from every genre but it's it's I think he says it's inspired by uh living in New Orleans and uh and just kind of being in that environment um anyway for whatever reasons it works um he was playing in London this week and sadly I missed it so um I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see him now because I'm getting busy with work and shoes and things um but yes uh the final track uh, Mississippi Delta in brackets I'm your man is just a brilliant song and even if you don't download or buy the album go and listen to Mississippi Delta I'm your man I think it's an absolutely brilliant song and stands up in the world of classics along alongside David Bowie and the likes of that so anyway um, he does have a fabulously fun song called Big Bushy Moustache 
and that is uh, does what it says in the tin. Um, anyway, go and discover that. That's definitely one of those. Um, quick TV recommendations. I've been going back over old stuff. Keith and I have been reliving the past. And on Channel 5, which is an English, um, British television corporation, Channel 5, they've been showing in the afternoons Cagney and Lacey. And though haven't always been here in the afternoons to see it, we've just set it to TiVo or whatever you might call it on our Sky Plus recording system. And so we have, we've had back-to-back um, Cagney and Lacey for a few evenings. So what we're tending to do is is pile through that. And it's just, it's really, really good. I mean, some of the stories can be a little bit obvious. Um, but the two of them, Tyne Daly and Sharon Glass, are just brilliant. And their chemistry, if you want to see chemistry on television and how it's done properly, watch these ladies in action. It's just incredible. And if you're possibly too young to have seen it, I definitely suggest go to it. If you were a fan and you've not seen it for a long time, go back to it. Um, And if you just have never watched it, and even though they do have issue-led episodes, it's never too traumatic. Um, You can always come away from it feeling entertained. And the theme music is one of the best theme songs ever. Go and check it out. I want to be able to be playing lots of music this week, talking about Cagney and Lacey, Jake Shears, and obviously Madonna. I want to be able to play all these things. So um, I am looking into rights. I've actually got somebody looking into rights for me and how you deal with it on a podcast, because I do want to start sharing things musically. I've said this before. Anyway, um, one does digress. Um, the other um, album that I would recommend 100% is called Soil, and it's by an artist called Serpent With Feet. Serpent With Feet is all one word. And the best way I can describe it, I mean, iTunes call it R&B Soul. I, I, I really don't, wouldn't put it in that category. I mean, it has tinges of soul, but it's more, I suppose it's if Kate Bush or Bjork would were, were doing uh, gospel-led songs but in their own style is probably the best way to describe it some of it's pretty pretty epic and very raw and very emotional and it's not just a casual listen and it's not one for a sunny day jaunt or a rainy day jaunt it's one that you actually have to sit down and listen to and if you've got time i highly highly recommend it um there's interviews and stuff with him on youtube serpent with feet all one word um, he actually has worked with Bjork, so um, so there is a connection there. But I think it's otherworldly and just beautiful, haunting, disturbing at times. Um, and I think we'll be hearing a lot more from him. So those are my recommendations. Oh yes, and I'm we're back in Orange is the New Black. I'm not going to go on about that because I've talked about that in the past and still loving that. Anyway, those are my recommendations and it's time to go on to... Madonna. Hooray. Now I want to start by saying happy birthday, Madonna. Happy blooming birthday. Um, Ten years apart from us, I was 15 when I first clued into you and became a massive fan. And then I, you were 25. Um, And 
yeah, so now you know. 40-something. If Okay, here's another little, little uh, sideline. If you have just tuned in, you're just a few episodes in and you're working your way backwards or you're just jumping in from here and seeing who I am and what I'm about. Yes, this podcast is called A Beginner's Guide to a 40-something Gay Man. And I did start it when I was a 40-something gay man. And that was only two years ago, a year and a half ago. I lose track. I think I was, I would have been 48. Anyway, hello. I'm now 50. Um, and the issue was I'd set up the podcast and listeners had joined in and um, and I've got a website um, and I changed my Twitter handle to the podcast name and I did put it out there to people and the majority of people who did respond to my question, do I need to change it, were like, well, no, you're still 40-something. You're just, you know, one over the 40-something. And... As I said before, I may still consider changing it in maybe um, a couple of years. I'm not sure how I'm going to play this one out, Um, but it would have to be a complete rebranding, and I'm not ready to do that. I don't actually have the time to do that and start all over again at this time. Um, And as I say, most people are happy with it staying like that. So anyway, so I've only just turned to the 50. Um... And anyone under the age of 25, don't run away. It's going to be okay. I do talk about things that you can relate to. <laughs> um, so anyway, yes, Madonna. And um, for me, yes, it began uh, with the song um, Lucky Star. I heard that first. Well, at least, um, yes, I think... As far as I can tell, it wasn't the first one to chart. I thought it was. And then today I looked at the officialcharts.com for the UK and it said that she did have a chart hit, a number six chart hit with Holiday. And I was pretty sure that didn't happen for her. But clearly I was wrong. Anyway, it says that it was the 14th of January 1984 that Holiday got to number six. Anyway... In my mind, I'm going to tell the, the, my version of uh, of being a Madonna fan. The one that I really remember um, initially was Lucky Star, and there was um, there was an uh, a copy of a of a magazine called Smash Hits, and for anybody in the UK uh, of my age and probably down to about. 35 would probably still remember Smash Hits, but I remember I I heard that song. Um, Lucky Star and I think it was actually being played where I used to pick up a lot of my music Hall of Notes, Prince, etc was on the American charts I used to listen to that thinking I was being very um, intercontinental and um, yeah so heard the song and that it, it, it touched a nerve and it was um, it was a, a very fun and I, I, I didn't know, I didn't think, I didn't have any preconceptions of what the lady would look like. Anyway, on this Smash Hits cover, we'll get there in a minute, was uh, a picture of her. And I remember she had um, <laughs> she had yellow nail varnish. It's a very distinct memory. Um, I, I wish I could get this picture and frame it. In fact, that's my mission for my, my Christmas present to myself. She had yellow nail varnish and she had about, I don't know, about 20 bangles on her, on her wrist. And this lime green jumper and really really messy hair and 
I suppose you'd say Boy George makeup. She did has admitted that down the line that she was sort of copying uh, things from his look, um, but uh, I suppose a slightly more New York take on it. Anyway, I was entranced by this image, completely entranced, and just thought I hadn't seen anyone like this. I mean, I was I was a fan of Blondie and Debbie Harry. I had uh, Blondie albums, but. Uh, I was a little bit, tiny bit too young for the beginning of Blondie um, to appreciate as much, but Madonna just hit at the right moment for me. Um, anyway, I started to collect pictures and I started to put them on my bedroom wall alongside pictures of the band Japan and Simple Minds and U2 who were all leading my uh, leading the way for me. This is before I'd hit the goth phase. We've talked about all this many, many podcasts ago right back at the beginning but yes um suddenly this lady started to appear on my bedroom wall alongside these uh rock and um ambient stars shall we say um and i i even managed to convince my friends that i was i think i probably would have said in love with this woman and i mean i i was and i still am but it it wasn't the kind of love that um that i was I was faking, shall we say. Um, it was devotion and and it grew very quickly. And then she appeared on um, uh, The Tube, a British television show called The Tube. And she was dancing to Holiday. And I don't know the timeline wise, whether this before uh, Lucky Star was released um, or whether I saw it um later down the line but anyway I did see this performance whether it was just them showing her as her reputation built but she was dancing at the Hacienda nightclub I believe in um, in Manchester in the UK and uh, they just did a, a live recording and she was dancing and she had her brother as a backing singer and um, a friend of hers whose name I should have researched but I can't remember anyway um, and they were doing Holiday Anyway, um, from there, it started to grow more and I wanted to find more uh, material. And initially, it wasn't available. But in the town, the little seaside town I was in, I managed to find this limited edition uh, seven-inch single with a cover uh, of... Um, not a cover, the cover had um, a steam train on it and it was Holiday, and it was by Madonna, but there was no picture. And I then discovered that was one of the images put out initially because the, the sire, the record company, didn't want um, to alienate, uh, apparently alienate, a black uh, dance chart-oriented audience. Um, so they didn't, they, they just left left it open for the uh, listener to, to discover. Um, and it charted without in America. It charted without without images initially, which is very interesting. Um, so yes, from there on in, it started my my interest started to grow with a fervor uh, that I've never had for any artist since. I would say. So after Madonna had released um, Lucky Star, my phone has just 
sent me a message from a paper saying about how Madonna is it's from the independent newspaper and it just a headline came up saying about how Madonna has changed the face of music forever how she changed the face of music forever anyway how timely I should have my phone off I know I'm just keeping it on because I'm expecting a work call and if I have to stop and re-record then I will anywho so yes she then Madonna released Borderline which I still rate as one of her greatest songs um the vocal line just bounces along and it's such a happy happy fun song but still so like pretty much all of her her songs so well so well crafted and at this point she was working with um a guy she had been dating called jelly bean who was a dj uh in new york um and uh, as soon as I started to get wind of this, I was then couldn't search on the internet because there was no internet. Um, but uh, in music magazines, they would print occasionally print pictures of Madonna and boyfriend because people, even at this stage, were starting to be very interested in her private life because she was quite a open. Um, honest individual about her sexuality and she's now that's I mean this is the thing that's always connected and I think which is why she's always connected with gay men we'll come back to this in a bit but I think it's just that she's never shied away from um who she is as a woman and uh there is some age shaming going on there's always been age shaming uh with Madonna and the fact that she's 60 and still enjoying her her body and uh and and very much enjoying being a woman and isn't afraid to talk about it. And some people say that a woman, a woman over 25 shouldn't. But anyway, sod that. Um, anyway, I'm digressing from, um, we're sort of doing a discography, but also my version of, of, of being a fan, as I say. So yes, yeah, so Borderline, loved that. If you've never seen the video, go and watch it. It's extremely, um, it's extremely New York, uh, 80s New York. Um, uh, I'm presuming it was filmed there. <laughs> it was filmed there. It was filmed there, um, and it's Madonna dancing with a ghetto blaster and uh, break dancers and street people. So yes, it's brilliant. Anyway, um, the turning point, obviously for the world, and definitely in the UK, because Borderline say went to about. Um, I'm just checking. Was number fifty six in the UK charts. Um, so initially didn't do uh, amazingly, but however, the next song was like a virgin and that got to number three um that song that video and that album were the things that changed the uk's opinion and certainly didn't really change my opinion just made my love grow and then when i discovered that it was produced by niall rogers of chic who then went on to work with who had already worked with david bowie and duran duran and people um and of course chic themselves uh, i was even more intrigued um it's a brilliant pop album um even down to the cover of love don't live here anymore by the band rose royce everything she did on that album was was it was it's not one of my favorites i mean i do pretty much love them all there is one that I'm less sure about. We'll come to that later. But yes, anyway, this meant that she would be appearing on Top of the Pops um, 
And she appeared on Top of the Pops in a red, as they used to call them then, fright wig. A red fright wig. And uh, she... Um, th- there was... Even then, the, the, I remember the papers, the, uh, the, the the rags talking about her the next day and saying that she was extremely provocative and that it was all too much, uh, which again led me to love her even more. Um, and then the video came out with her uh, in Venice uh, on the gondola and with the lion. And if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen, if you need to go back, there is the Immaculate, Immaculate Collection which is also a video collection. I think there's two or maybe even three Madonna collections that I have probably still on a on a video. Um, and I guess you can just download them from iTunes. I haven't tried for ages. Um, they're probably mainly all on YouTube. Um, anyway, yes, so Like a Virgin, that image with the boy toy and the wedding dress, and then she performed at the Grammys, which... Uh, was the point the world the whole world really tuned into her and she was rolling around on the stage and and people were up in arms about that in middle america that she'd be writhing around on the stage in a wedding dress and now it would probably seem extremely tame if somebody was to do that now but however at the time um people were outraged um material girl great video um was also number three in the charts here um and stuck in the charts for a long time um crazy for you which was in the film vision quest uh which had matthew modine and i'd say the best things about that film were matthew modine and and crazy for you and the song gambler I believe that was from that one. Maybe I'm getting my films mixed up. I'm doing this, by the way. I'm trying to not be too edited and just free flow because I feel like you'll get the my enthusiasm. And if I start to plan it too much, it'll just spoil the flow. Anyway, bear with me. So then we get to um, Madonna had her first number one with Into the Groove. And now this is where it really, really just kind of lots of things happened at once and I've said before and I talked about this in a podcast way way back probably second or third I don't remember but um the day my grandmother died and my grandmother lived with us at the top of our house in Devon I completely I was I, I needed something to tune into to kind of I don't know to distract my soul from feeling sad and down because I was very close to my nan um and my cousins were down uh in preparation for my grandmother's funeral and it was a day pretty much like the day today and it was rainy and it was in Ophelcombe I believe it was a rainy wet day and we just decided to go to the cinema and thank goodness uh the only film on in the Pendle Stairway to the Stars in Ilfracombe, was um, was Desperately Seeking Susan. Now, if you haven't seen Desperately Seeking Susan, then you must. I think it's Madonna's best film, because Madonna is just being Madonna, pretty much as she was at that time anyway. Um, very streetwise, very New York, very cool, um, 
and and at that point Madonna was still very curvy and and I and 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 I thought that was brilliant because she wasn't trying to be stick thin. I suppose it's before stick thin became super super trendy, but she was just she was just very something very earthy that connected watching her in that film. Um, and um, Rosanna Arquette also stars in it and is great. And apparently they had a, a, a really strong friendship I've discovered recently. Um, and an actor who I had a massive crush on called Aidan Quinn was in that. Um, and Desperately Seeking Susan really is a story of um, mixed, confused identities and uh, an antics ensue. And it's, it's a, a screwball comedy. But um, there's lots of great music, lots of brilliant imagery of New York and the Hudson and nightlife. And it just captured my imagination. That's the point that I started to fall even more, f- fall not just in love with Madonna, but fall in love with the idea of going to America and being in nightclubs in America, I just thought would be the ultimate thing, the ultimate dream in my life. Um, and um, yeah, anyway, Into the Groove was the song that ends the film. And I truly believe this, and still is to this day, uh, I'd say if I had to give a top 10 singles, and there have been so many, uh, the top 10 uh, Into the Groove is definitely in my top 10 singles of all time for Madonna. So and maybe of all time of everything. And if you haven't heard it, I can't believe you haven't heard it, but if you haven't, go and discover it now. Pause this podcast and go and listen. Watch the video. Watch the film. Come back to the podcast. I paused there for a moment to swig some coffee and then I started choking on my own coffee with excitement. Um, All I want to do really today is play Madonna all day, but I've got writing and things to do. Anyway, as I stopped, I did come upon all the stats uh, that this www.officialcharts.com has given me about Madonna singles and albums. Let's give you the stats. She has, according to this, had 13 UK number ones. 13 number ones. That's insane. Um, it just, yeah, I, 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 it, it does blow you away when you, when you see it in, in figures. She's had 63 UK top tens. 71 UK top 40s, 75 UK top 75s. Um, She spent 29 weeks at number one, 220 weeks in the top 10, 560 weeks in the top 40, and 740 weeks in the top 75. Um, Again, albums, she's had 12 UK number one albums, 21 UK top 10s. the weeks she spent album-wise in the top 75 is 1,146. And the number for weeks in the top 40 is 666. 666, the number of the devil, <laughs> the beast. Um, so anyway, she has been around and about and been in our consciousness for so long. But anyway, there's the facts and figures and stats I'm moving swiftly along um just I'm gonna jump through some of the things because I'm not I don't want to be too discographic but um Angel uh came next after oh there was so Into the Groove then Holiday was re-released and got to the top of the charts got number two in the charts 
Angel, also from Like a Virgin, got to number six. Gambler, from the Vision Quest soundtrack, got to number four. Dress You Up, from Like a Virgin, got to number five. And then Borderline was re-released and got to number two. So there you go. And then we jump on to, it starts to become really strange. She released Live to Tell. And I remember this song just stopping me in my tracks when I heard it. Uh, it was on it was on Radio 1. Um, and I can actually remember, for some reason I remember this day very well, and I was about to run out the door to go to a marching band practice. I'm so cool. And I it was playing and it stopped me and I and it's quite a long track and I I was running late anyway but it's I didn't care and I stopped and listened to this song in its entirety and just then it was locked in my head. Again if you haven't heard Live to Tell you don't know it very well go back pause the podcast and re-listen to it now. Um the piano chords the well keyboard chords that strike at the beginning so yes when those those chords strike it's just i mean it 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 touched it touched a nerve um and it kind of gave me a i suppose a even greater appreciation um and i know it's a lot of work with um uh patrick leonard on that work on that work on that song um who is also a brilliant songwriter and has worked with her on lots of stuff but um that was the opening introduction to the true blue album um even though there was another release of lucky star in between that and the next uh true blue track they were really starting to make money and they knew it was best to just keep these madonna songs coming um whether it was her or the record actually it turns out looking at it it was another record label so ah yes because this was done under a different label um this was released under a different label called no label there we go lucky star again anyway um more facts and figures papa don't preach which is again in the top 10 of all madonna songs for me um the strings at the beginning uh it's the point where madonna's songs started to have this more epic sound to them even if they were dance orientated strings were more layered keyboards were more layered uh everything drums it, it just changed that the sound started to uh, to refine i suppose but that's the nature of any artist um but yes then she had true blue open your heart which is a great video um and la isla bonita which i have to say is not one of my favorite songs i've liked it when she performed it in other versions but i have to say um What's the uh, people used to think uh, that the lyrics uh, the beginning were young young girl with eyes like potatoes. So next time you play the beginning of La Isla Bonita, uh, li- listen to it that way. Young girl with eyes like potatoes is not the lyric, but anyway, uh, teenage me thought that was very funny, um, and that was swiftly followed by um the release of the who's that girl soundtrack the album to soundtrack to the film who's that girl which again is is a harmless screwball comedy again um madonna was less herself in this and a bit more um quirky 
uh, lollipop sucking uh, criminal walking the streets of the cities with a, a, a leopard um, and uh, <laughs> yeah if you've got some time <laughs> then give it a go um, it's quite a fun film um, but yeah, I think if you're a fan you've seen it already um, if you're not and you've got a spare afternoon and it comes on the TV or you find it somewhere then give it a go it's not terrible it's not the best it's not my favourite film of all time um, the song causing commotion came from that the look of love um, these just continual hits and then there was a little bit of a hiatus until the next album and at this point I had gotten into drama school and so I associate this uh, with the um, uh, so it had come out bef- during drama school I think anyway um, it was Like a Prayer the album Like a Prayer which has the single Like a Prayer um, uh, what else was on that uh, Express Yourself, Cherish, Dear Jesse. it uh, the hits kept coming um, Like a Prayer was uh, number one song um uh, the video that went with it was considered again groundbreaking controversial because it featured madonna kissing a black jesus um and again some people were up in arms about that and then uh burning crosses (laughs) um dancing in front of burning crosses it's a very passionate song um and there was also a Pepsi commercial that went with it and um, it was banned because the Pepsi commercial was a very different version to the burning dancing in front of burning crosses and uh, as soon as the, the well the video eventually uh, the, the, the Pepsi commercial got removed and cancelled because of the burning crosses video um, and uh, and people considered that uh, extremely, again, um, uh, middle America, middle England, middle everywhere was up in arms about that, and so uh, so that led her to lose that contract. But at this point, I don't think that was a major problem for Madonna's bank balance. Um, and and basically, I, I, yeah, express yourself is one of again is in the top ten of of all my all-time favourite Madonna songs but then it leads us to um, God, I hope I'm not just saying album tracks I'm just trying to give you my passion raw and real um, at one point it was my all-time favourite Madonna song and it's still there in the top three if not two and it's the song Vogue now I discovered uh, uh, the um the Vogue uh, dance hall scene via Malcolm McLaren. Before Madonna, he had released an album called Waltz Darling, and it was inspired by um, Malcolm McLaren spent time um, going and watching people walk the runways uh, in the um, in the Vogue in the ball scene in New York and he was one to always jump on to a trend um, and usually was there before everyone else 
and I had that album. I don't have it anymore. I need to download it again. Um, I would definitely recommend it. It had very. It has a very. Um, uh, it's you can definitely hear the. Uh, it's a it's a prequel to Vogue, and obviously the music that was going with it was probably more classic and was from. Uh, DJs and the music. Some of the music was from Chicago. Some of the music was was disco. Some of it was rap that people would uh, uh, would use to move to to Vogue to at balls. And the thing is now, of course, there is the TV show Pose, which I have, I believe, I've recommended. Um, and uh, if you want to know more about that, the obvious place to go is uh, go and watch the documentary Paris is Burning. Stop the podcast. Go and watch Paris is Burning. It was on Netflix. I, Netflix, I believe it still is on Netflix. Anyway, Madonna being quite savvy, she she did she did spend time in the clubs and still was spending time in the clubs. Um, and some people say that she was uh, aware of Malcolm McLaren's uh, take on this and became more interested via that. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But anyway, what she turned out was. I think is still one of the most incredible pop songs, even if it's not massively true to what Voguing really was. Um, and this is the point that I decided to learn how to Vogue via Madonna, not via having spent any time in uh, any any time in New York at all. Um, so my take on Voguing was very Madonna, but I used to do it, and it was my party piece. And I did it at uh, the opening night of a show I was in. I did it at people's birthdays. It would actually be requested. And I was more than happy to do it. Um, uh, <laughs> I've lost track. Occasionally, somebody will still put it on and ask me to do it. Uh, my knees are slightly creakier now. And I feel a little bit more self conscious about doing it. But um, give me enough Sauvignon Blanc and you might be lucky. Of course, Vogue was also the precursor to the uh, Blonde Ambition Tour, which was also, didn't tie in necessarily, but was uh, happened at the same time as the release of Dick Tracy with Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, uh, at this point, I have to say, I was, I'd always had um, quite a big thing for Warren Beatty, Um and when I learnt that he and Madonna were a were a power couple, I very much fell in love with that idea. I love Dick Tracy. I think it's a great, fun, um, cartoonic um, piece of cinema, and uh, with uh, a soundtrack that has uh, Madonna singing Stephen Sondheim. Um, if you've never seen or listened to Madonna singing sooner or later uh, from the Dick Tracy soundtrack, go and pause and go and listen to that. Um, she, she, she really em she embraced show tunes at this point, and I think this is the point where she decided to. to I mean, okay, this is the thing about Madonna. She herself has never claimed to be the world's best singer. Um, but I, I, I've always loved her voice, but it wasn't super powerful. This is the point where I think she wanted to strengthen the voice, and I think that comes from working with Stephen Sondheim. 
Um, but anyway, there were lots of great fun songs on the soundtrack of Dick Tracy, which also had Hanky Panky, Nothing Like a Good Spanky, which I know some people don't enjoy that track, even some of the greatest Madonna fans in the world. I raised an eyebrow at that one um, at the time I again as I say I saw the Blonde Ambition show at Wembley Stadium and it was one of the most incredible days of my life I, I, I haven't seen anything since uh, as, as far as uh, a music concert gig show that has ever ever touched me in the way that show did even other Madonna um, gigs, concerts, ha- nothing has ever surpassed Blonde Ambition. And if you've never watched it, I 100% highly re- recommend you go and find that. Um, the film that, that accompanied that as well, which is uh, in the UK, was known in, as In Bed with Madonna and ev- elsewhere in the world, Truth or Dare. Um, do go and watch that. It is... It is fascinating. Some people say that a lot of it's staged, um, but as far as behind-the-scenes documentaries, I think you do get a sense of uh, of the reality of the woman. Um, there has been a film to follow that one since called Strike a Pose, which I believe I've talked about on this very podcast that featured Madonna's dancers, who are all now... That was 1990. Who are all now uh, either doing other things... Uh, a couple of them are still dancing, but... Um, it's about where they are now and how they felt after that tour ended because I can imagine being on that tour probably the, the the biggest, most impressive music show ever, I would have said um, just would have been devastating to, for it to end for the fun to end, for the party to end but the dancing was super tight it, it was uh the whole day for me I went to Wembley I went to Wembley and I got there super early I think I got there at something like eight o'clock in the morning and was queuing with other people to run as soon as they opened the gates of the stadium to be at the front and I haven't done that well I did it for you too actually but this this was I've never got there that early and waited and I was right down the front and there were points where it was uncomfortable, but I managed to get a space somehow kind of just to the side that I could breathe eventually. Um, I, did, I was right on, right close to like two rows from the barrier. And then I just couldn't, the pain was too much. So I kind of shifted myself along to the side and I managed to have a space where I could dance, where other people wanted to dance. And at that point, um, there, <laughs> there was that point in the day, there was the band Technotronic, the band, the dance outfit. I've said about this before, and they were out, they were playing, and the dancers, Madonna dancers, came out and danced in this area where I was dancing. So I was dancing with the dancers, and it felt very special. And I felt just the world was, I was meant to be here, and everything was making sense. Um, And anyway, and then they disappeared, and then there was a hiatus, and then the concert began, and I it went far too fast and uh, every single moment of that concert was incredible and she appeared at the top of a, top of a staircase looking through a monocle and 
she said the opening refrain, come on girls, do you believe in love? Because I've got something to say about it. And it goes something like this. And that was the beginning of Blonde Ambition. And I was overcome with emotion and tears streaming down my face and dancing. Um, and uh, some of the more emotional moments, any mo emotional moment that she was giving us, I was a sobbing wreck throughout that. Um, anyway, go and discover it. If you haven't discovered it, go discover it. Um, and then kind of at this point also, I was really starting to land as a... I, I was... I think from that point, I, I fully embraced gay. Not that I hadn't before, but I really, really embraced it at this point in my life. And this is the point when I started to shave my head and uh, I've talked about before, started wearing combat clothes, which was a thing at that time. Well, it was for me anyway. Um, and I started to get into remixes of things. And so I had lots of Madonna remix cassettes, indeed, cassettes. Um she released Justify My Love with that again with a very controversial video. I remember staying up late one night to watch that on Channel 4. Um, and yeah, this is kind of the point where it just... Madonna was in everything I did. And then I realised I went and started going to big gay clubs. And her music was featuring heavily there. I'd kind of gone to the smaller stuff, but I started going to... Um, well, at this point I was going to Heaven and... Um, and Madonna mixes were pretty much every night of every kind of style of music night that I went to there would be Madonna there um, this is even the point where I remember my father even telling me that he liked and he he wasn't a massive fan that he liked um, a Madonna song and I was, I was shocked and surprised um, this used to be my playground an often forgotten track um, and it does have a very sweet and emotional video. And yeah, pause pause the podcast and go and check that out and come back to me. So this, this used to be my playground. Um, one for fathers around the world. And then the sex book and erotica. And my parents bought me a copy. I have a copy of the sex book. There, were, um, there weren't that many copies printed. Um, but erotica uh, was the album that came with it. And you got a free copy with the sex book. And again, now I'm not quite sure. I don't think any there's any musician around who would do that now. Um, and whether it would be appropriate and whether it would fit. And maybe it was just very much of its time. But I, I, I was never shocked by it. Um, Madonna was, she was dating Vanilla Ice. And though I was definitely not a fan of Vanilla Ice's music... I was a fan of the um, of him, of the way he looked. I thought he was very attractive. Anyone who Madonna dated I thought was going to be great. Um, she had decent choice, uh, decent taste. Um, but the, um, yes, the, the, the sex book was, well... I mean, some people say it's titillation. And, well, maybe there's nothing wrong with titillation. I don't know. But, I mean, essentially it's a coffee table book. Um, but it, it's, I think it's, I think it's beautifully done. Um, Stephen Mizell is the photographer and uh, the imagery, the images are stunning. Um, if you've never seen it, I'm sure there are pictures online. I'm sure, I don't, well, I don't know. I, 
guess they would be. Um, but anyway, it was released in 92, the book. Um, and say my parents bought it for me and I was, I was really proud of them. They were happy to go and buy it. And um, I thought they were very forward thinking. Um, Madonna's said since that it was kind of influenced by Robert Maplethorpe. And if you've never looked at Robert Maplethorpe imagery, it's, uh, it's incredible and quite shocking sometimes. Um, and uh, I would go and check out Robert Maplethorpe. I've been to a couple of exhibitions of his over the years and, uh, they are, I think his, his stuff is, is, uh, incredible. And um, Madonna had basically put the album erotica out, uh, under, she had a, she created this character, um, Dita, um, and, the the whole erotica album and the book were were done under that it wasn't a pseudonym but um under under that character i suppose um as i say she had vanilla ice in the in the book and um naomi campbell and then there was a uh a, a gay porn star called joey stefano um who's also in there um it's uh yeah go go and go and find it where you can if you can um it was uh it was a I say it was apparently it was a big hit like when it was released but um there was 150,000 copies printed and it was it topped the New York Times bestseller list and um was one of the most pre-ordered books ever at the time and uh, there was just a lot of interest and I think he's probably one of Madonna's most um, interesting phases. Um, the album Erotica has some great tracks. It's not actually in my top... I mean, again, I love pretty much all of them. It's not my favourite album, but there are some tracks on there. And at the time, I was playing it over. Deeper and Deeper, one of my favourite tracks. There we go. Um so yeah, so that was that was um, the sex book, and I still have it now proudly on my bookcase in front of me. Um, yeah, I'm not going to run through all the. Th- I mean, there were the deeper and deeper. Bad girl, fever, rain uh, are all tracks from that album. Um, and again, go and listen to it if you haven't. Go back, listen. One of my favourite albums is the next one is uh, Bedtime Story, which. Uh, started with a single secret and at the time I was uh, I was living this is the point when I was living in Earl's Court in West London and uh, there was a mix by Junior Vasquez um, of secret that was playing in all of the Earl's Court bars and clubs and it cemented my connection with Madonna and everything gay really kind of even more than Blonde Ambition had done as far as uh that that gay men were still sticking with Madonna even though she changed styles and were embracing it probably more than the public at large um bedtime stories uh well um secret got to number five and the album did good but compared to some it wasn't one of her greatest um, sales-wise, but I think it's actually definitely one of my favourite of all the albums. Um, also, the song Human Nature comes from it, and I think that's 
a very much a marmite song um I, either you love it or you hate it i love it and i again was surprised to discover at some point when i was talking to my mum about it and that she liked it and i heard her singing along to it um even with the words i'm not your bitch don't hang your shit on me <laughs> it was what not something i expect from a mum but she loved the tune so and i think she thought it was uh, a woman standing up for herself so again madonna crossing all sorts of um time frames and and people um so i'd say favorite album one of the favorites bedtime stories go there um then we had a vita um with all the songs that came from Vita, and of course including don't cry for me argentina i didn't enjoy uh gay disco remix versions of that i did not want to dance to that song um uh but again i think probably madonna's most polished performance in a film and this is with her voice being fully uh worked upon um this is also the point in time where I had my encounter with Madonna. And I've mentioned it before on another podcast, but very briefly, um, I was working as a waitress. in. A, I was working in a theatre and I was working um, promoting a show called Rat in the Skull. And Madonna came into the theatre um, and I was waiting in the foyer and I was told to wait by my boss essentially with my friend Rachel and Madonna came in and my friend Rachel screamed Madonna's name and Madonna looked at us, rolled her eyes and said something along the lines of we think, that's my name, don't wear it out, smiled but I had direct eye contact with the woman at that point I was, you, I just it, she was a feet away and direct eye contact just was too much um, I was so happy for weeks years still happy about it um i have that interestingly and i'm going to say the other side of the story i have a friend who was um at a uh backstage at a kylie gig i believe it was at the o2 and uh this friend can claim this himself if he ever listens but i don't want to name him in case he doesn't want to tell the story but anyway a good friend of mine very good friend of mine um and uh he and madonna would sat down she was there just as a as a guest as a vip guest and he'd got into the vip area for various reasons and um and he was a huge fan as well and he decided to take it upon himself to go and tell madonna and he approached her from behind she was sitting on a sofa apparently approached her from behind tapped her on the shoulder and uh, and she, for the sounds of it, turned around very slowly and he said, I just want to thank you for all the years of pleasure and enjoyment that you've given me. And she just blinked at him a few times and then turned away and didn't say anything. Now, it's a difficult one because you can imagine if you are pestered by people all the time and you're in private time, uh, you might not want to be bothered. However... There is the part of me that truly believes, however much of a superstar you are, you should probably just, you can just say thank you and, and, and move on. You don't need to go into a great lengthy conversation unless you want to. And some people, some superstars do that. And uh, I think you should always uh, appreciate your fans and they say it just has to be a couple of words, literally a thank you and a smile. Anyway... 
could have been a bad day. Who knows? Whatever. We'll never know for sure. Um, I got a smile, a wry smile from her and an eye roll and whatever it was she said to us. Um, <laughs> I sound like such a teen, teeny fan. But I was, well, I was definitely not a teeny fan at this point. But yeah. Um, and then I, I've heard of uh, somebody who was working in the studio with her and uh, and and said there was a few few tests before you were allowed to work with her directly and when, what you would refer to her as and that uh, there was candlelight required for uh, recording sessions. But anyway, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And uh, I, th- I think a person has to be slightly eccentric to achieve that level of fame. Anyway, I am digressing and I want to get through because there is so many things I want to rave about. Um, then we had Ray of Light. Um, I'm jumping now, but that really kind of was the next thing. Ray of Light album with the track Frozen, which again is one of the one of my favourite in the top uh, top ten Madonna songs is Frozen. Um, Ray of Light is one of my uh, top three favourite Madonna albums, along with Confessions and a Dance Floor. Um, probably the actually again one of her most interesting and experimental songs, Drowned World, Substitute for Love. Again, I think it's a very underrated song. Apparently got to number 10 in the UK charts. But I I think it's... Definitely pause and listen to that again to remind yourself. Drowned World, Substitute for Love. Uh, the video that goes with it is very interesting. About being bothered by people, actually. About being hounded by the press. And it was kind of post-Diana and, and, and Madonna very much sympathised with, with that... Uh, with her death and uh, at the hands of the paparazzi. Um, but yes, yeah, some great, great tracks on that. Power of Goodbye, uh, Nothing Really Matters, another one of my favourites. Um, and this was also Nothing Really Matters I danced to in San Francisco. By this point, I'd taken the jump over the pond, gone to San Francisco, and I was dancing to Nothing Really Matters in um, a club called the Cafe. Uh, on Market Street in San Francisco, just around the corner from the Castro. And this was the same week I met my husband, Keith, and 20 years later. And I believe I did make him dance to that track uh, in that club again later on that week. Um, Anyway, um, so that has some very special memories for me. Um, That was also the year that Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears came out. Anyway... Um, I'm not going to do a podcast on Britney. You know, she's great fun, apart from the horrors of Brighton Pride, which wasn't her fault. Anyway, Google that, Britney Brighton Pride and Brighton Station, and you'll hear that full story. It was just too many people. Anyway, very, very digressing. Um, Then we had, um, she did the uh, track Beautiful Stranger. um, And uh, that was kind of fun. And I think that's my other half's fave, one of my half's favourite songs by Madonna. Um, you had American Pie, which was with Rupert Everett from uh, the film The Next Best Thing, which if you're a Madonna fan, you'll enjoy. If you're not, you won't. I'd say that is kind of, that's the simple truth of it. Um, music, the album Music, which had the tracks um, Don't Tell Me, What It Feels Like for a Girl, another amazing track. Um, um, and then we moved on to American Life, which again, I, I a lot of people 
uh, didn't like that album. I'd say it's in the top five Madonna albums. I love the track American Life. I do. I do. Um, even the, the lyrics about driving a Mini Cooper and feeding Super Duper. Um, and Soy Latte. I can genuinely say hand on heart. I'd never tried Soy Latte. A soya latte, soy latte, however you want to say it, at that point. And I learned that Madonna was drinking it because it was uh, better for your gut. And so I believed it and started drinking it. And now I still drink soy milk in coffee when I buy coffee out of the house. Uh, I play Madonna on soy. Um, soy on Madonna. Anyway, um, then we kind of went through American Life and all the tracks that went with that, Hollywood. Uh, then she did release Me Against the Music with... Miss Britney Spears, um, which also was around the time that she she had this a bit of an infatuation with Britney and Christina, and they did they had the kiss at the MTV Awards, um, and yeah, it was it yeah it was fun. It was silly. It people got outraged, even though it was very <laughs> a peck on the lips really what it is what it was it wasn't much more than that um the me, me against the music is is neither of their finest moment i would say i quite enjoyed the idea of of generations of pop coming together but and and the video is quite fun if you've never seen the french and saunders um jennifer saunders is an abfab if you've never seen the parody of that uh if you put in me against the music parody french and saunders on youtube you'll find it and it's fun um and then uh really my favorite madonna of all time favorite madonna album of all time confessions on a dance floor came through and uh life was going extremely well and i was just uh turning 40 and 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 still very much dancing a lot and that album soundtracked me working on a show the gaydar diaries we've talked about before um it soundtracked for a couple of years uh me traveling with the terrible infants it soundtracked lots of things i did um one of my definitely one of my favorite madonna songs sometimes probably actually at the moment i'm gonna go it's probably my favorite today i'd say it's my favorite madonna song is get together i love get together um jump uh just yeah uh brilliant 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 um then we had a bit of a, a hiatus for a couple of years and then we had hard candy which again i really like i'm not again so enamored with uh the duet with justin timberlake but uh miles away one of my favorite songs um uh, uh devil wouldn't recognize you devil wouldn't recognize you there you go that's definitely one of my favorite madonna songs go and discover that one pause devil wouldn't recognize you i think is an incredible track um then we kind of move through to the other albums um i'm yeah this is the point where i say i there's something i find in every single album um that i love but um the the ones that kind of how do i say this mdma had girls gone wild i love that song 
Oh, and I realised I missed out music, the album music. Um, yes, God, um, that had the track music, which is a is a yeah, it's, it's definitely one of her best tracks. Um, I also liked "Don't Tell Me" from that album. Uh, what it feels like for a girl. And there is, again, there's a, there's a lesser known track. And I think that's kind of when Madonna gets, uh, for me, I find it more interesting is the, is the sometimes the lesser known tracks, the, the lesser hits. There's a track called Gone on music. Again, pause, go listen, Gone by Madonna. Um, yeah, it, I mean, so yeah, MDMA, we got to there. Um, and Girls Gone Wild. Uh, the album Rebel Heart. Um, I loved the first track, Living for Love. I still think it's a brilliant song. And, of course, the iconic moment when she fell at the Brits because one of the dancers trod on her cape and dragged her down the stairs backwards. And she got up and carried on, which just happened to coincide with the lyric, I'm going to carry on. <laughs> I think some people did say, the conspiracy theorists said that that was done on purpose and that she was... Uh, she knew full well what she was doing. I don't think anyone plans full well to fall down backwards, neck backwards down a staircase for for impact, for impression. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's also another track on that called Ghost Town. And I think that's, again, that's probably one of her best songs. Some people say it's a bit, a bit um, asinine, a bit, a bit bland, but I think it's a great, a well-structured song. Um, another song on that, Devil Pray. Um, she did release the song Bitch, I'm Madonna. And I know, again, this very much divided the Madonna fan community. Um, when I've had a few sherries, I can enjoy it and find it fun. If I'm just travelling around my daily life, I may jump if it, if it comes on. If I'm playing that album, I may just pass it depending on what mood I'm in. Um, that's all I'll say on that one. Oh, there's another great track on it called Joan of Arc. It's actually, there, there are a few. Oh, Body Shop as well. Yeah, there, there are a few good, I would say, again, if you've given it a miss because you kind of stopped listening to Madonna, go and give it a go. Jump, bitch, I'm Madonna. Um, what else would you want to miss out? Um, unapologetic bitch. You might want to jump those two. Um, but the rest of the album, definitely worth giving a go and I'm really excited about what she's going to do next and apparently it has a Portuguese vibe because she's out living out there and uh, because of um, her son David who's at her football academy there so she moved herself out there um, and embraced all the music that goes with living out there and uh, I'm very intrigued to see what she's going to do and I hope it's not just Hopefully she's not working with too many producers, I'd say. That's probably the key to this one. I've heard that she's back with um, Mirway, who was the... Mirway's? Who was the main producer on music. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. But I'm intrigued and excited. My goodness, I don't really know where else to go with this because I just wanted to... I wanted to do this. I thought last year when I knew it was her 60th birthday that I'd want to express myself um and and talk about it and and give you things to to go and listen to perhaps album tracks that you may not have discovered and there's plenty of things on youtube i don't know if i should be promoting um there's lots of unreleased material on youtube um 
and yeah go go and go and go and listen to some of that there's some great things hidden away there things that perhaps madonna wouldn't necessarily have wanted the world to hear but someone's got hold of them and put them out and you can find there's 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 quite a few tracks out there um some you jump and some you'll find there are some i think some of her most interesting work on those but anyway that's just i'm a massive fan and i get probably get tired of hearing the more famous and infamous songs and i like to hear something new anyway madonna has affected my life and has been part of my life and i hope continuable to be part of my life for the rest of it um and you know i know lots of people are you know we're all celebrating madonna getting to 60 but uh, 60 is the new 40 and and if we can all live and uh embrace life as much as madonna does then at 60 then we're doing a good job i i love her and happy birthday madonna that's all i can say happy birthday madge have a good one i'm having a sherry on you later love you bye thanks gang speak to you soon <laughs>